Welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour, the podcast provides you with the knowledge and insights you need to achieve physical, mental, and financial well-being. I'm your host, Arlen Pickett, a business consultant who's passionate about helping people achieve a more balanced and healthier life. Each week, we'll deep dive into topics related to health and wealth, including retirement income planning, innovative healthcare solutions, alternative funded health plans, and specific actions individuals and business owners can take to gain control of their finances, have access to affordable quality health care, and achieve peace of mind. We'll also be joined by innovative experts who will share their knowledge and insights on prevalent topics. So, whether you're looking to grow your wealth or improve your health, you've come to the right place. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and empowered. Let's get started. And welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour. I am your host, Harlan Pickett. Great to have you with us today. Have a great show for you. I was blessed a couple of months ago to sit down and speak with Mark Geist, better known as Oz. He is the co-author of the book 13 Hours that was also made into a motion picture. He's going to talk to us about what that experience in Benghazi was really like and some of the projects that he is working on. So look forward to hearing that here in just a few minutes. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is a couple of things that are going on right now that uh, really are one, actually really neither one of them are very surprising. Uh, first of all, they had the new numbers are out for what the average cost for health insurance for a family of four in a PPO would be. If so, you're, you're receiving your health insurance via your employer and you have one of those great nationwide PPO networks. What can you expect your the cost of your insurance to be for a year? Well, just your insurance. This is actually not talking about any health care you may receive. Just your insurance will be over $31,000. Yeah. So let's think about that for just a moment. Because most people will never even pay close to that. They're not paying that $31,000. But they don't realize in most cases how much it really is because they may be paying a small portion of that. Uh, maybe they're only paying, say, five or $6,000 of that. And if that's the case, they have no concept of what their employer is paying for them. I have seen this time and time again where people are just dumbfounded by how much insurance cost when all they've ever had is group insurance or maybe they have an opportunity for COBRA for the first time ever and they had no idea what the full cost of their plan was. But let's be honest, things are getting ridiculous when you talk about a family of four having a, a an insurance plan that is going to be anywhere close to that cost, 31000 and up. It's actually the amount is a little over 31000 But that is absolutely ridiculous that is another reason why we just we've got to take action as those of us that have the ability to show alternative funded plans and alternative design plans to employers and individuals we've got to take action there is just no chance that this is going to be able to continue uh, that leads us directly into the next thing I really want to talk about. And it's it's kind of been quiet out there regarding this. I was very surprised that we didn't hear a whole lot more about it when it first uh, was dropped. And that is back on May 17th, 
uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, along with a, a number of other folks, uh, 14 other senators and 110 folks from the House, uh, reintroduced a bill uh, for Medicare for All. So it's called the Medicare for All Act of 2023. Uh, once again, this would create a federally administered single-payer health care system. Not surprising that this is being put out there again, especially uh, when you know with the history of Bernie Sanders and his, uh, he's a huge advocate for this single-payer system, has been for a number of years. But if you keep looking at what's happening, the the huge increase in the cost of these health plans, if you look at the health, the, the cost of health care and it's skyrocketing, obviously there's a tie between the two of those, between the cost of your insurance and your health care. The two of those continue to raising in price uh, at the same time. It's not a surprise. But if it keeps going down this road, it will it will most likely not be this bill that is put out there, the, the 2023 version of Medicare for All. But it's going to happen. Uh, people are going to be fed up with everything that is going on on this side with the huge raising of these of your premiums and the huge raising in cost of health care. And they're going to look for an answer. And, you know, those of us that really understand how the health care system works, we know that single payer system is not the answer. But folks are going to turn to whatever is offered that may lighten their load or theoretically lighten their load on what their out-of-pocket cost is for health care. Now, there's no doubt that when you look, especially if you're all about to give me some stuff for free, <laughs> generation that's out there, that this bill is going to sound just absolutely outstanding to them because it's, it's really going to put everyone into a zero cost for Medicare. And so you have no more co-pays, you have no more deductibles, you have no more premiums, uh, all of your services are free when you go to the doctor, uh, your hospital treatment would be free, blood work, uh, dental, vision, all of these things you would have no out-of-pocket for. Now, of course, what they don't talk about is the fact that your taxes are going up so high uh, because something's still got to pay for these things, right? Uh, you also may not have access to the best care because many of your providers, the best ones anyway, are going to opt out of a system that pays them so slowly and so poorly. Um, and if you think that the the uh, government does a great job of managing a health care system, then take a look at the VA and then talk to some folks that have to go through that system and let them give you an idea of what their services are like. And I think you're you're going to realize really quick that the government is not the answer to start handling in our, our health care. But we are headed down that path if we don't do something to start controlling the cost that are associated with health care. And if we don't do something uh, to that, then we're going to have no reason to see premiums start to go down. Uh, there are incredible alternative funded options that are out there. You know, that is one of the things that we do at Eagle Care is we offer those alternative funded options. Uh, regardless of the size of your group or even if you're an individual, we have solutions for you. But there is got to be a, a change. It's just got to be made or else we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we simply do not want to be. And that is a single payer system where you have to wait weeks, months, if not years to have uh, services done, surgeries done, uh, doctor's visits, all of those things. And, and once again, you're not going to be able to see some of the top physicians because they're going to opt out of this particular program. Now, one of the things that I do want to mention real quick about this single payer uh, 
the the Medicare for all 2023. The reason why I don't think this particular bill is going to go anywhere is because of one of the parts of this bill would actually make it illegal for any commercial payers or employers to offer or sell policies that duplicate any of the benefits under the single payer system. So in other words, everything that's out there right now on the health insurance side would all become illegal to offer over about a four year period of time. Uh, that means no more Medicare supplements, no more Medicare Advantage plans, uh, no more group insurance, no more individual insurance. Uh, it would effectively end Obamacare simply because those plans would then be illegal. Uh, all of those uh, benefits would be offered through uh, Medicare for all, and therefore there would be no reason to have those options. And once again, they would be actually be illegal. Uh, also, no dental plans, no vision plans, no hearing plans. Anything that is included in these benefits, and it is a huge laundry list of benefits that would be offered in this, pretty much anything that you can think of, that would be uh, that would be illegal to have a plan that also covered those services. So I don't think that the uh, insurance companies are going to allow that to happen. They have a whole lot of power in this country. They have they make a whole lot of money, and their lobby is pretty powerful, as uh, we all know. So it's just very unlikely to me that we'll, this bill will even ever see the light of day. It certainly will never make it to the floor to even be voted on. But it just shows you that uh, there's getting more and more support, uh, even from some members of Congress, because those 14 other senators and 110 co-sponsors from the House, that is the largest number of folks that uh, Senator Sanders has ever had uh, co-author one of these to have the that's a that's a record for support and so I, I think that it shows us that there is definitely a move underway uh, at that level at the legislative level to start uh, getting these ideas more and more out there uh, so we've got to do something about that and we've got to do it right now or else we certainly are on that collision course with the single payer system all right, guys, I uh, hope that you enjoy uh, the rest of the show, listening to my interview with Mark Geist. And if you, uh, if you have any questions, man, always reach out to us. We'd love to, to hear from you. Uh, you can go, of course, and uh, uh, subscribe to the podcast at H, hwpowerhour.com, hwpowerhour.com, and reach out to me anytime there on LinkedIn, Harlan Pickett. All right, enjoy. Welcome aboard Health and Wealth Power Hour. Man, what an outstanding show we have for you today. First off all, let's go ahead and congratulate the United States Marine Corps on its 247th birthday. It was established in 1775 on this date. I'll tell you, there is not a much better way that we could celebrate this event than having one of those Marines on the show with us, a veteran with a just a storied history in both service and then service since he uh, left the Marine Corps, which I guess you never really, there's no such thing as a former Marine, uh, but since he went into, I guess you'd say public service since then. And we are honored today to have with us military consultant and survivor of Benghazi, Mark Oz Geese. Mark, welcome aboard, buddy. Hey, Harlan. How you doing today? Hey, doing just fine, man. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. And uh, congratulations and uh, happy birthday to you and all your brothers and, uh, and Marines, man. 
Hey, Semper Fi, and happy birthday to all those jarheads out there, and uh, thanks for being jarheads. Hey, I'll tell you what, there's uh, there's nothing quite like it. I've known a number of Marines over my lifetime, uh, friends, family, and you're just a different breed, brother. You're just a different breed. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. It's, uh, <laughs> it's what it takes to be a Marine, um, you know, and to serve this country through thick and thin no matter what. You have to raise warriors that are... Uh, that are a little bit different than the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let's kind of start there. Uh, what uh, what was it that that had you go that direction? What you had chose to serve your country clearly. What made you or, or encouraged you to go the route of the of the Marines? Um, I think you know my grandfather was a World War II veteran. Army uh, tank commander, um, had five Purple Hearts, Silver Star, Bronze Star. He was probably one of my biggest heroes. And then I had three uncles, two of them in the Navy and one in the Marine Corps that all fought during Vietnam. Um, my Uncle Jerry, he's passed on now from uh, complications with Agent Orange, but um, he was probably the biggest influence I had in going into the Marine Corps. So it's a little bit of family history there is uh is what it sounds yes, to me sir. like and i i think that that is is a fairly common theme that we can see uh in in many cases to those that choose to serve it it comes from a long line of people that have made that same decision and you know we are uh very very uh proud to support the military uh, as you know we've had a number of your compatriots on our show before and, and we're, we're very very happy to to work with you guys and to to support you in any way we can and and once again thank you so much for your service uh well and uh i got to coin a phrase uh, a good friend of mine an army special forces uh actually a native of texan his name's john wayne walding uh his thing is you're worth it and oh. everybody is worth it that is a citizen of this country that's why we do what we do that uh, man, that is well said. I, I've never actually heard that phrase that way, and that that is that is well said. Uh, once again, man, that's uh, that that's very very impressive. Well, one of the things, of course, that stands out in your resume, as it were, is what occurred uh, back on September 11th in in 2012, uh, as you were part of the Annex Security Team. Uh, whenever the uh, Muslim insurgents, as it were, attacked uh, the U.S. stronghold there. I guess you'd say in Libya. Uh, yes, sir. How did you? How did you? I guess make the transition into personal security, and what really, what really had you there? Why, why were you in Libya to begin with? Um, well, the reason I was in Libya is uh, I worked for a organization uh, called GRS, it's Global Response Staff, and we were contracted, um, I was contracted by the CIA um, to protect our world spies around, you know, in some of the most dangerous parts of the world. That's really what we, our job was, is to make sure those men and women that uh, are out there working for that organization come home safe. 
Okay. All right, and it just was another assignment then. In, in a very real way, it was you ended up there because it was just another assignment for the organization you worked for. Yeah, they, you know, and that's one thing that was different with us than um, in all of our deployments is we never worked as a team for like Benghazi. We were all picked to go there for different reasons. We each had different skill sets that were unique and bringing all of those together to form that team that was there is why it's kind of how they did things. It wasn't like in the military, you know, you're a platoon or a squad that worked together for years. Right. Um, most of those guys I never worked with before. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of interesting. Uh, so uh, almost like uh, some of the silly things you see on the movies that obviously are not in reality, you think, but they, they do build teams, obviously, you're telling me this, that uh, based on people's different skill sets. Yes, sir. Very interesting. And so as you, as you were there, how long were you there before the actual attack? Um, I'd only been there about 45 days. Okay. <laughs> okay, and my, my understanding is that obviously the, the atmosphere there was not uh, very, very friendly, very conducive to, uh, you know, friendship and love and happiness. <laughs> that it was no, like... <laughs> not, not at all. I mean, the country itself, after the overthrow of Gaddafi, which, you know, as bad as Gaddafi was, sometimes the enemy you know is better than the enemy you don't know. Um, you know, the country, after he got assassinated, the country was basically chaos. Um, there was really no government entities, or at least none that were really in charge. It was, especially in Benghazi and the eastern part of Libya, was all controlled by different militias, all that had some... Um, or most that had some type of affiliation to Al Qaeda. Okay. Yeah, which which we all know are not the good guys at all, right? <laughs> yeah. Now I will say, you know, the people there, the people themselves, and this is the dynamics of the Middle East, especially the uh, Northern Africa as well, as you know, the 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 people that were that lived in Benghazi, the store owners, the the families, um, they were very happy that we had overthrown Gaddafi for them, because in the in in the big bigger picture, you know, Gaddafi's tribe and his loyalties in Western Libya were different. They were a different tribe than they were those that were in the east. Okay. Those that were in the east. Uh, didn't get along with those in the West, and I guess it was kind of like the North and South back in the 1860s or maybe similar to what we're seeing now, just not in uh, the violence of, of it yet or of it at all, hopefully, right. is the Democratic and Republican Party. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a parallel I hate that you have to draw, but I can see exactly where you're coming from there. Um, hey, Mark, it is time for us to go to a break. When we come back, I want to dig in a little bit more about what happened there uh, because I don't think the movie quite did that justice, and I think that's what most people have probably seen. Uh, Harlan Pickett, Health and Wealth Power Hour. We'll be right back. 
And we are back. Harlan Pickett Health and Wealth Power Hour. Thank you so much for joining with us today. We are truly honored to have veteran of the Marine Corps, a member of the NX security team uh, back whenever they were in Benghazi, and also he does a lot of that uh, secure, personal security. And then, of course, he is the co-author of 13 Hours, the inside account of what really happened in Benghazi. And Mark Osgeist is with us today. Mark, man, I know they took this awesome book that you guys wrote. There was no, in my opinion anyway, there was no political overtones. There was no, you know, finger pointing per se. It was, uh, you know, as Joe Friday used to say, just the facts, ma'am. It was what really happened. And, you know, as uh, Hollywood is wont to do, they've got to add a little extra stuff here or there. Uh, maybe you probably didn't need to have any explosions added, but they also added uh, maybe conflicts on the the side of uh, the political side that maybe did or didn't happen, but they certainly weren't addressed in the book. Uh, what were your thoughts on the movie that was was created from your book? You know, all in all, I was very happy with it. Um, one of us was on set for probably 40 out of the 70 days of filming. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, they were. it wasn't a documentary. Right. It was for entertainment, so we understood going into that when we signed our contracts, for, which actually give you, basically your contract is giving them the life rights to depict you however they want. Um, and as movies go compared to what I've seen in the past and what I know of what really happened, this was probably one of the most accurate there was. Um, you know, they did add a, there was one big explosion they added, which was the bus bomb after the second attack on the annex. Um, and then they changed a couple characters in what they were doing for the entertainment purpose and to draw the heartstrings of the, and, and the emotion from the people. Right. Um, I think we all would have rather had it been more of a documentary, but I don't think that it would have done as well if it had been, honestly. You're, you're right. It, it probably would not have, it would not have, uh, it wouldn't have had that Hollywood blockbuster type thing. And you probably would not have got the, uh, the gentleman who who worked with you to put it out, uh, who who is also obviously known for his explosions, <laughs> to, to uh, be as attracted to the film if uh, if that wouldn't have been the case. Uh, so, well, that's that's good to hear because you know I had in reading some of the I guess critiques of the movie, it, it that was one of the things is that they didn't stick as close to it as I, I guess historically factual. But that is that is kind of the common thing that you see in those movies. But it is good to know that, you know, y'all were not upset as the the guys who lived through it, that y'all were not upset with it. And uh, the depiction of your team was fairly accurate? Yeah, it was. It was. uh, They did a great job of the characters. I mean, Max Martini, who played me, couldn't have gotten any better, um, as well as Tonto's character. It really kind of gave me a different outlook or and a little bit more respect for actors and what they do in their profession um because these guys really put their heart and soul into making sure they depicted us as we are and as 
Ty and Glenn were, according to the families that the actors that played them, you know, who they spoke to, the friends and family of uh, of Ty and Glenn who got killed. Right. Well, that that's a. Uh... You know that that's very important, especially for the obviously the gentlemen that lost their lives. How important it is for their families not to see something that was not true, to to see them be portrayed as someone they were not. Uh, so that is that that's awesome, and you know I, I can I can imagine how scary it was for you guys as you're talking about signing that contract that you're you're saying yeah you can portray me however you you want to, and that's a that's kind of a tough deal. <laughs> It is, it is. Uh, you know, I had a conversation with Michael Bay, the director, and I... I mean, however you want to depict me, depict me, but if you did anything that disrespected Ty and Glenn, I was going to beat the living crap out of him. <laughs> well, well, I guess I understand now why he chose to go the route that he did, so... <laughs> That's awesome, Mark. That is awesome. Hey, uh, I also noticed in uh, whenever I was reading about you that you actually became a uh, law enforcement uh, after you served in the Marine Corps also. That's the first step that you actually took was into law enforcement uh, whenever uh, yes, you, sir, you I, left service. I left the service in 1996, and I joined a... Uh, Teller County Sheriff's Department here in Colorado and worked there for three years. Primarily, uh, my focus was as an investigator, investigating crimes against children and crimes against family, as well as counter uh, narcotics. And in working through that, what gave you, I guess, really the bug? to get into personal security and kind of get back, get, you know, which obviously then took you back to overseas and uh, in more of the kind of situations you found yourself in, in battle type situation with the Marines. What, what drove you to do that? You know, I think it's that sense of service of being a part of something bigger than yourself and knowing that this country at that point had been, you know, had taken a black eye, um, had our nose bloodied a little bit, and as a lot of Americans across the country uh, stepped up, joined the military, uh, I just felt it was better for me to go onto the contracting side, one financially and from the deployment status, as I could control more of how long I was gone and when I was home. Um, and because I had started a new family uh, after I'd been divorced for a while. Okay. Uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier, and I'm I'm interested to see what what your perspective is on this. You had talked about how the locals there in Benghazi were uh, very happy of what had happened. You know, the store owners, the the business owners, the the people themselves were very happy about uh, Gaddafi losing power. Uh, obviously, the result that happened after that with the the military, the militant units, and the the different groups, the militias that took over, it was not uh, a key thing. But it also, if I'm not mistaken, it actually helped you guys. Uh, whenever y'all were in the process of escaping there, you did receive help from locals, didn't you? It was a local who, <coughs> excuse me, after they recovered um, the ambassador's body out of the uh, ashes of the building, 
that took him to the hospital to try to see if there was anything that the hospital could do to help take care of him and keep him alive. Okay. But he that's, was already deceased. Well, and and see, I, I think that's, uh, you know, our perspective sometimes is that that happened over there and that everyone was involved and that there were, you know, there were no good guys over there. But obviously from what you said earlier and what you're saying now, that that's just not true. Uh, the fact that he was well-respected and, and even loved in that area uh, shows that the people uh, did have respect and, and certainly wanted you guys to successfully be, get away and not uh, not be killed by the, the group that was doing that. Uh, yes, sir. So that that is that that's a great perspective, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, do you uh, do you continue to stay in touch with the the gentleman that you served with? Yeah, we do. Uh, it's usually around the anniversary uh, of Benghazi every year. We uh, touch base. Um, you know, sometimes more often than not. Um, just depends on how busy we are. Because you know, it's, we all have a uh, public at least a Myself, Tig, and Tonto, all three of us have, you know, relatively public uh, endeavors um, as, inter- you know, through public speaking and sharing our stories and um, and in the firearms world. So it's, it's sometimes it's hard for us to stay in touch as much as what we would maybe like to, but uh, we always, you know, it's, we all know that each other's there and what we all went through, and we'll never forget that. Right, right. It'll certainly bond you for forever. All right, it is time for another break, Mark. And when we come back, I want to talk about the uh, foundation that you work with now that you founded called the Shadow Warriors Project. Very unique. Not another one like that out there. Y'all stay tuned. Harlan Pickett, Health and Wealth Power. Be right back. And we are back. Harlan Pickett, Health and Wealth Power. Thank you for being with us today. We are honored to have... Mark Osgeist, he is a veteran of the Marine Corps. Happy birthday, Marine Corps, today, 247. Also a professional security professional and co-author of 13 Hours, the inside account of what really happened in Benghazi. Appreciate you being with us today, Mark. But I know your passion these days is the founding of your organization, Shadow Warriors Project. Uh I'm going to read you guys this mission statement because this is rocking. We exist to honor our brothers who are contracted to serve their country silently behind enemy lines and through their heroic and courageous acts have fallen or been injured and all things bring glory to the God. Man, that is an impressive mission statement. Uh, I applaud you for coming up with that too, buddy. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's... uh... You know, it's my way of still serving and helping take care of those that are out there uh, on the front lines. Absolutely, and and as you mentioned, uh, not just on the front lines, but behind those behind those lines too, um, and and the ones we don't even yes, know sir. about, right? That is true. That is true. You know, we have roughly two hundred and seventy-three different diplomatic facilities around the world, and uh, we have military as well as private security contractors and other contractors that you know that are private citizens that are working at those um facilities and they're putting their lives on the line every day and we we forget about them now i I think you're exactly right uh 
you know, it's it's a it's an unusual thing because I, I really believe that in most cases, once again, we'll go back to Hollywood that. Uh, so many times the people that are military contractors, you know, let's put quotations about what that, that really is, are portrayed very negatively in a lot of your Hollywood movies. Um, and that's that's not the case. I mean, these are guys that serve their country and continue to serve their country. They're just doing on a contract term instead of in uniform, as it were. Yes, sir. Yeah, they they have that same passion of protecting the Constitution serving this country and uh, and making sure people get to come home safe to their families. And so what is what all does the Shadow Warriors pro- project do? Uh, I, I know it's for folks, obviously, that were uh, or their families that were injured uh, or killed, but that injury can take on many different forms, including the mental challenges that can come back from being in those type situations. So what kind of services do you guys provide? And, and you, you hit the nail on the head, Harlan. Uh, you know, there's so many things. And I guess I'll give you an example of myself. I started contracting in 2003 until I was injured in 2012. That was nine years. I was overseas for seven of that, away from my family. Now, most of the time it was for two or three months at a time, and then I was home for a month, go back for a month or or another two or three months, maybe sometimes as much as five. Um, And that takes a toll on guys and gals and as well as the family and the kids. And both, there's those, like you said, there's those physical injuries that happen if if you're getting blown up or shot or something like that. But more than that is, for the operators, it's that time away and dealing with that high level of stress. For the families and the children, it's not knowing when their fa- when their loved one is going to come home or if he's going to come home, because it's always ever changing and they don't get that contact and they don't get that blessing and uh, and respect like our military does. Yeah, you're you're right and. And they're they're serving in many ways a more difficult job because, as you had mentioned, they're behind enemy lines so many times or maybe not in a complete situation like Benghazi was, but the potential uh, is there in many situations for it to turn into something like that. Yes, sir. And they don't necessarily always have, you know, like the military, when they're in a country, you know that if you call for air support, you're going to have it. If you call for artillery or backup, you're going to have it. When you're working in the country, just like we were in Benghazi, Libya, is there was no help around. And you have to deal with that. You have to learn how to survive on your own, know how to survive in those type of events. And that also carries over to the family because they know that as well, typically. Right. Yeah, they're, they're not... Uh... Not had they don't have their head buried in the in the sand. They they know that those dangerous situations can can erupt, and that yeah, they're yes, you're sir. you're kind of on your own, just like you guys were. Uh, well, and go ahead. I was going to say one of the things we do for that, especially for the mental health and the security and safety of the family back home, is we provide service dogs to our um, veterans and our veteran contractors and their families. So. When a contractor or somebody's overseas, 
he knows that his family has a dog that is at back at home to help protect them, that is there that can uh, help him when he comes home to deal with his uh, stress and anxiety and, and, and serve, continue to kind of serve that family in that manner. That's That's awesome. Because I, I, that's got to be a concern, right? That's got to be a concern when you're gone, worried about your family, because you know they're worried about you. Uh, and so having that, that support is is got to be incredible. And, and guys, if you want to go out and check out this website, it is exactly what you would think it would be, shadowwarriorsproject.org. Uh, and you can uh, see the mission statement we talked about. Uh, you can see the different things uh, where it talks about why they exist. And then also you have the opportunity to support the cause. Uh, how many of these folks have y'all been able to help to this point? Um, you know, the exact number is something that we don't really, uh, we can't really release just because of numbers and of who is out there. But the, the number is always growing. Um, even though the military has stood down in a lot of countries, what we see is the guy, our contractors are still working over there. They're still working, like we said, behind the lines. And the families are still suffering and cope, trying to cope with that as well. Um, so every year it becomes more and more. And we just want to do everything we can to make sure that they are honored and taken care of as they deserve. Absolutely. And, and folks, you can go out there. You can support uh, uh, financially. Uh, there is a way to do that right from the website, too. And and I know that you also, as you mentioned earlier, you you go out, you do some public speaking, you talk about the cause, you, you, you work to try to give that support. Where is the best? Where If someone said, hey, if I could help Mark – get in front of a certain group of people, who would that be? Um, you know, it's, it's every we have donors that have donated $12 a month all the way up to donors who donate five, ten thousand $10,000 a year, $20,000 a year. Um, the thing that we need most is letting people, they're getting people to understand who we are, what we do, and how we're out there to help um, our, our our contractors who are military veterans. The right. majority of them are either military veterans or law enforcement veterans. Um, you know, and, and getting that name out there and getting those people, because in numbers is what really matters. A couple thousand people donating $10 a month, $120 a year, that could help put a dog in a family's home. That could help bring between five and ten combat vets, combat um, contractors, back for our canine therapy course, where we pair, um, what first thing we do is we introduce guys to Christ, we pair them with a dog to teach them how to manage, and using the dogs to help manage that anxiety and that stress that's in their life, and how to turn to one another and have those support elements that we don't always see because we don't all deploy together, or we don't all know each other who are in this field. Right. But you're all still a brotherhood. And that's that, it sounds to me like the whole point of the Shadow Warriors. 
project is that you never stop being brothers. You never stop being a brotherhood. And having that support for one another is what the, the program is really all about. Yes, sir. All right. Well, folks, go out and check out the shadowwarriorproject.org. Uh, you also may have a family member or friend that uh, would like to apply for that help, for that program. And there is a way to access that right there on the website, too. Such an honor and blessing to speak with you today. Man, we wish you the best. And I'll be sure to get on here and do my, my part, too, buddy. Hey, thank you, Harlan, and God bless you. And, you know, we are coming up on the holidays. We do see an increase in uh, suicide and attempted suicide. So each and every one of us need to pay attention to those who are around us and reach out and let them know that whether they're family or not, whether they're service members or not, that it's worth one more day on this earth to help another person. Absolutely. Well said, sir. Well said. All right. Thanks a lot again, Mark. Take care. Have a blessed day, buddy. And then a happy Veterans Day to you tomorrow, too, also, bud. Thank you, and God bless. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us today. Once again, happy birthday, Marine Corps. Happy Veterans Day. Make sure you thank a veteran tomorrow, folks. Harley Pickett, Hell of the Well Power. We are out.